Episode 16 of Refined by Fire podcast. Refined by Fire is a production of Brothers in Battle Media. And as always, brought to you by our friends at Elkhart Brass. And as I sit here recording this, I'm looking at my table. I've got this beautiful red pennant that I got from Elkhart Brass. It says, Water Always Wins. So Elkhart is doing uh, this cool promo called Seven Eighths Day. Seven Eighths Day. A little bit of celebration of America's smooth bore tip, the 7 8 nozzle. And it's going to be taking place, of course, on 7 8. That's July 8th. In anticipation of 7 8 Day, they've released this really cool collaboration uh, with a, a company called Oxford Pennant. And they've got these, just this cool swag, man. This, this cool pennant, this cool sign from, uh, from Elkhart Brass that you can pick up on their Amazon storefront right now. So that's amazon.com backslash Elkhart. If you want one of these really cool pennants from, from Elkhart Brass and Oxford Pennant. Additionally, what you need to do right now is go register because they're giving away four conference registrations to two different conferences. That's eight conference registrations total to the Water on the Fire Conference and HROC, both taking place in beautiful Pensacola, Florida. Uh, pretty amazing opportunity. Uh, so you can go to their Facebook page and find the link. You've got to get registered for that link. And then on July 8th, 7-8, they will be drawing the winners for these eight different conference registrations uh, that you can get for free if you enter uh, on their Facebook page right now. So check that out. Check out the cool swag. Get registered for those uh, for those giveaways, those conference giveaways. And as always, thanks to Elkhart Brass and everything they do to support the fire service. My guests for episode 16 are Frank Beauvais and Eric Haskins, a couple local firefighters here in the Treasure Valley who work for Nampa Fire Department and also run an outfit called Brotherhood in Training. Early in this episode, we do a pretty good job of like a little get to know you, so I won't go through a full bio here. I just want to express that although we're going to talk a lot about fitness in this episode, there's a lot more to take away from it, and there's a lot more to these guys than just like how to do push-ups or burpees. You'll find out, you know, Frank's been on the job over two decades, 13 years as a captain, uh, a guy who's been a pretty invaluable voice in our region uh, for fire training. Eric, in addition to all this formal education and exercise physiology, certified strength and conditioning coach, and uh, having operated as a very high level athlete, also brings this huge passion for the fire service. And in in his short time in the fire service has gained a, a pretty significant amount of experience having worked for uh, one of the busier engine companies in this state. So these guys bring a really unique like synthesis of fire service experience, coaching experience, 
high level athletic experience and then formal education. That's why I really wanted to talk with them. So we're going to get through some stuff on physiology of the fire ground. Of course, we're going to talk about fitness. We're going to talk about fire service training. Um, and, and it was just a really fun conversation for me. Just a quick testimonial. Uh, right now I'm helping out as a cadre in a, in a regional recruit academy. These guys helped me get prepared for that. I reached out to to them in January. Said, "Hey, can you can you help me get sort of fit specifically for the academy?" Got me a, a short program because I, I didn't give them a lot of lead time in six weeks. Saw a, a lot of gains in some of those typical academy physical domains. Cut thirty seconds off my mile and a half time. Increased my max reps of all the body weight movements significantly. And uh, some benchmark workouts with sandbags. Like I just saw really big gains. These guys absolutely train smart, really thoughtful, really well vetted programs. So I'm just really a big fan of these guys and who they are and what they're doing. So in this episode, man, my voice, I've been getting over a cold. So I, my voice is kind of shot. So so please give me some uh, some grace for that. We've got some some glasses tinkling in the background. And and Eric's Eric's dog, he's got this great Doberman. His name's Leonidas. And uh, he, he was talking to us a few times. So um, I hope that all just adds to the ambiance. And I uh, hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Frank Beauvais and Eric Haskins. Okay, so I'm here with Frank Beauvais and Eric Haskins, a.k.a. Fire and Ice. So uh, I have a lot of dumb questions for you guys, and we're going to do intros and all that stuff. Um, but first, I just I want to talk about Fire and Ice, and I want to talk about who's who and, and how that manifests itself. Uh, I mentioned it just a few moments ago before we dropped on here. It's more uh, Fire and Ice or Pinky in the Brain. Like, there's a, a definite... Uh, <laughs> There's a, a role each one of us plays, and uh, I'm definitely not the uh, the smart one. I'm uh, like the flavor flave of our group. <laughs> large clock That's around my neck. Can I make you Chuck D? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. Take I'll yeah, take that. That's nice. Yeah. That's yeah, way cooler than flavor. Um, but uh, yeah, I dance around and, and say a lot of funny stuff and, and uh, try to explain in layman's terms what uh, the big brain on Eric is trying to get out, and it seems to work out pretty well. Yeah, it's not a bad explanation. It's really whenever now, whenever people start falling asleep, it's uh, then Frank comes back in, does a song and dance, people laugh, he insults them like to their face, and then they 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 start yeah, they just go along with it. But it did uh, that started years ago. You were fire service before I was even thinking about it, and I was playing ice hockey. Yeah, so. So it worked out. That's where it, that's where it originally began. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Layers like was an onion. <laughs> running his business while he was running around. Yeah, with his shirt off. So, right. all right, Frank. So you're like you said, you you get up in front and make people laugh, and then and then smile and insult them, and they like it. Yes, uh, you're a vibrant and energetic <clears throat> dude and youthful, but you've actually got a lot of time on the job. So give me like the thumbnail sketch of how. You ended up in the fire service. How long you been doing it? That kind of thing. Okay. Uh, thumbnail sketch. Uh, uh, family military service, and I needed. I knew I wanted to serve, and uh, ended up wanting to serve closer to home as opposed to abroad. And uh, my parents moved. I grown up in Arizona. I was going to school down there for fire science and hazmat and the like. And uh, my dad said, "Hey, there's this place called Nampa, and they're testing. Why don't you try it out?" 
I figured it was a good primer uh, for Tucson Fire, which is where I, I was expecting to get hired on eventually. And uh, I tested once and got hired. Um, so I'm that guy. Yeah, I was very, very lucky and uh, came on at a really good time. Uh, 98, uh, I got hired in October of 98. And so I've been doing the job for a little bit, long enough to know that I, uh, I have a lot to learn. I, mean, I love it. I love going to work every single day. And uh, yeah, that's the that's the real, I mean, we'll dive into more stuff, but that's really the basis of it right there. So yeah, 20 plus years of, uh, of learning on the job. So before we talk to Haskins, um, I want to talk about where you guys connected. So tell me about Snake River CrossFit, uh, the genesis of how that began, like a little bit of the timeline. And then maybe bring me into where you connected with Haskins. Okay. Um, so this is not going to be a, a CrossFit episode. I'll kind of get that out. Let's give some background, I guess. Um, so 20 years on the job and I've been looking and watching guys this whole time uh, lose their marriage, marriages. And uh, so I was looking away for a way to connect with my wife. Um, tried uh, bicycling. Turns out she's uh, she doesn't like to bicycle. So didn't do that. Uh, I had a Navy SEAL guy on the department said, hey, there's this thing called CrossFit. This was probably 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago, maybe more. Um, you should try it out. And so I started down that road and uh, I, I enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed it. We've been doing kind of bodybuilding type stuff before that. So it wasn't that far off the mark. Um, now we're, you know, lifting and then running around in between. And uh, yeah, we started off in our in our garage uh, playing with um, with some weights Figured we wanted to learn more, so we started taking classes. We got uh, um, our L1 and uh, started having friends come over. Those friends started showing up at uh, specific times in the in the garage. Uh, 8 a.m., I think it was like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m. Uh, we had like 40 athletes uh, over time uh, within the confines of the garage. Our neighbors decided that we needed to do that somewhere else. Um, at first, we decided to throw in the towel, and then we figured – you know, let's take a let's take a leap of faith. Um, pulled thirty five grand out of the you know took a loan out and said, hey, we can lose. I figured it was like a truck, right? Mm -hmm. Anyone can lose a truck, not a big deal. And uh, opened Snake River CrossFit in downtown Nampa. Yeah, we've been rolling ever since. So, um, so it came from a place of just uh, wanting to be um, better connected with my wife. I I think it's done that over time, but for a while there, I mean, running a, a business as well as having two kids and in a and a, a fire service career that's not taking the back seat um, is a big deal. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, that's kind of where it started. Um, Haskins ended up coming in as a, as a coach, right? You swung in. Is that, was it? Yeah. You were introduced to us as a, as a, Hey, this guy can coach. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've got, I'm curious to hear what he says. I'll mean, give like my uh, angle of it. I had a lot of head injuries, man. So yeah. I don't remember a lot. So, so man, however you remember it and then I'll <laughs> correct you. Yeah. So we had a mutual friend of ours that introduced Eric as being this really good coach out of a, a downtown uh, CrossFit box that's, um, is since no more actually is, is refineries, some really good people in there. And uh, Eric had been coaching in there and uh, was doing uh, collegiate hockey at the time. And uh, he was introduced to us, and we kind of hit it off pretty quick. Um, we were coming to a point where we needed assistance in the gym with uh, with with coaches, and um, we knew right away that he uh, he was on top of his game. Kind of clicked and, and went from there, and then started training together at uh, a pretty high level. We ended up making regionals as a group, and so that kind of cemented the relationship, actually. So uh, Eric was actually on the same team as my wife for regionals, which is pretty cool. I got to cook for all of them. That was, <laughs> that was neat. That was probably, 
That was awesome. So yeah, but um, so that's I mean that's kind of how we we came together, and then uh, fast became friends, and um, yeah, it's really progressed from there. So is that somewhat? I think that was what it was. Did I miss? No, man. It's it's all good. <laughs> I think I yeah. Shit. I don't know. Do you, do you want my side of the story? Yeah. Well, I want you to get there. Okay. So your path to the fire service is unique and, and pretty interesting. So give me a condensed uh, summary of that okay. path. And then uh, I'll try to like kind of open up some, some of those individual pieces as we go on. Sure. Fire service kind of seemed like something that I kept coming back to. Uh, so in 2009, 2010, I retired from... Uh, my, my previous life of snowboard, and I decided to go back to school. I was recovering from some injuries that uh, that career left me, and that's when I met, uh, I ran into an old football coach that uh, was working in the, in the PT area, and he was talking all about uh, how he'd just gotten off Spokane Fire, and, you know, was telling me all about it, and it sounded interesting. At that point, I had no idea what I was going to do. I just uh, retired and was... You could say lost, or at least just like searching for something. Uh, he had me come out for a ride along, and it was like, whoa! Like here's here's this team environment, and and it was my first really glimpse at it outside of like what you see in movies and TV. And I ended up signing up. Uh, at that point, I was going to Eastern Washington University. I signed up for their residency firefighter program, and then I ended up backing out of that as we had some some family issues go on. And then I moved to Boise. Uh, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying Boise, uh, but you can uh, tell he's not local. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not from here. My wife crushes me on that. Uh, and uh, went to school at BSU. Uh, would return to kind of the, the idea of, of the fire services. I met these guys and, and started working with them, and it, it seemed to always be in, in the in kind of the background for me. But other things kind of came forward and, and there were kind of itches I had to scratch and, and pursue along the way. And then finally the, the kind of turning point was uh, I was living up in Coeur d'Alene. I owned a gym and I uh, was unhappy. I think my, my wife or the girl, my girlfriend at that time was, had had enough. And uh, so looking for something different and I had two things I really wanted to do. And after the time that I had spent uh, years working with Frank and the firefighters I was surrounded with there, I was I wanted to return to pursuing that job. And then I was also drawn to uh, special forces. So I'd always wanted to, to be a Navy SEAL growing up as a kid. Um, something that uh, I wanted to do. My dad was in the Navy. And at that point, I went and uh, was interested SEALs, Special Forces, dropped into a uh, Army recruiter, and he had me uh, take a test, took a test, uh, tested high enough to pick kind of whatever field I wanted to pursue, told him I wanted to go Special Forces, and he said, all right, we, uh, we've we got track for you, we can do an 18X contract, and it'll be the fast track for you. But uh, you're nearing your 30th birthday, and you need to like ship out right away for this, so... Go ahead and get your affairs in order. And in the next 30 days, like, let's sign these papers. And my girlfriend at the time did not know about any of this. And uh, 
so I returned home and talked to her and told her about what I was looking into. And her brother had just gotten out of the Rangers. She was not stoked about the, uh, the Special Forces track. She knew what that looked like. And she told me that that would be fine, but that she would uh, not be there when I got back. So that uh, kind of spun me around. And I said, all right, well, if I'm not going to do that, I would like to move back to Boise and pursue a career in the fire service. I want to call Frank. I want to call these guys. I want to see what I can do to, to, to go down that path. And she said, absolutely. And so that was kind of it. And I don't want to say that it was my like second choice per se, because it was something that I'd always wanted to do, but it made it very clear between one route or the, or the other. And so I called Frank and said, Hey, I'm selling my gym. I want to move back. Can you help me uh, get on with the with the fire service? And so that was it. I came back. My girlfriend and I actually moved into his house. I uh, lived with him and his wife for a while. And that was it. I had, Everything was dedicated towards getting on the job. That was a few years ago. You've been on a few years now. You guys are on at the same department. Um, how's it been? It, it's an interesting path, right? You kind of had, had to make a decision. Yeah. Has it been what you hoped it would be? It has. Yeah, because I was I was searching for something service oriented, and there I, I wanted to be challenged physically and mentally. My life up to that point had been very physical, like everything I'd done had required me to to work, and uh, the idea of a, a desk job or anything like that was just I'm, I'm not interested in that. But I wanted I wanted it to matter. I wanted whatever I did to mean something. And so when I was working in a gym, I, I was helping people and it was fulfilling in that aspect. My girlfriend was miserable. And so when it came to talk about a different kind of path, it, it had to be something that was still serving others. But I, I, needed, I needed something that uh, I came home and could hang my hat on at, at the end of the day, like what I did mattered. What was it about gym ownership? In coaching that like didn't suit you, didn't fulfill you ultimately that you find the fire service does. Gosh, I, I think uh, it's all say, gym ownership. When we say it's it's not all kill cliffs and PRs. Uh, the 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 great myth is like yeah, it's great, man. I'm just gonna work out all day. I'll coach a few classes, and I'd owned a gym up in Coeur Lane, so it's like yeah, we'll coach as much as I need to. And then we'll just spend the rest of the time out at the lake, right? Like, it's just going to be paradise and it's going to be awesome. And uh, opening up and running a small business, like, got news for you now. It's it's not uh, it's not that. It's not on vacation time? No. <laughs> here, here I thought people were just going to give me money oh. for doing very little. Yeah. And uh, it would be, yeah, just uh, wakeboarding in the afternoons and, and that. But, um, yeah, yeah. Serving and, and and working with other people, it was just kind of the the want, 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 and 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 they kind of sucked it out of you, and uh, which which was okay, um, but I I, was, I still felt unchallenged. And I felt like I was leaving a lot on the table, and so I was coming home and thinking like like is this it? Is this what I'm doing? Like this isn't meeting my expectations as far as, as, as 
challenge myself to, to what I wanted. So when it comes to the fire service, it's, oh man, that, uh, I found myself physically and mentally challenged beyond what I thought I was capable of. And I've gone out and I've pursued things to, to find those spaces, but it has not only met my expectations, but far exceeded the, uh, you can't make, make these things up. Like, um, That's, this is true. Yeah. So I don't know. That's probably not a good answer, but, uh, I am now able to come home at the end of the day, hang my hat up and, uh, fall down exhausted and be totally fulfilled. And like the work that I'm doing, uh, means something. And then now with a, a kid on the way, like that's something that I hope uh, someday they're, they're proud of the, the work that I do. So fantastic. All right. So the two of you have created a training group. Well, I, I don't know. What would you call it? So you guys run brotherhood and training. So tell me what that is. And then tell me what compelled you to use all your free time yeah. to yeah. create something like that. So Eric one is the king of uh, like understatement. So he left his former job as a, it was actually a pro snowboarder and, uh, like I, I was gonna, yeah. Okay, and, and snowboarding with like the that. Canadian team, the the American, like it's just absolutely king of understatement. So that just needed to go out there because there is a portion of that that makes everything else make sense when sure. he talks about absolute, you know, athletic pursuit. So uh, it always cracks me up when he like moves past that really quickly, fails to mention college hockey, all the other cool stuff that he's done. So as I was like a, a middle of the road uh, high school athlete, so um, no, we. Uh, as a group, um, Eric went through uh, the academy, and uh, we uh, talked a lot about what was happening or what wasn't happening when it comes to the athletic side or the physical fitness or preparedness side of, of the academy. And um, so we looked at the skill set, the particular skill set that we had, and said, how can we, um, with my experience on the job, having done some training academies and the like, his... Uh, having just gone through the academy. Um, so it's very like real, like, you know, right now type stuff. This is what just happened or what didn't happen. How can we take that and, uh, and put it to good use? And so, um, we pursued uh, Boise fire department pretty vigorously, um, and said, Hey, we have this product, um, that we think is, is pretty good. Uh, we, we think we can get your, your firefighters to be um, there. They use a mile and a half run. And so they were having firefighters that came in that were really good at a mile and a half run. Um, but somebody who's aerobically, you know, able to complete a mile and a half run may not be also the same guy, unless it's done correctly, also the same guy that can do, do work. Right. Um, and so um, with his college backgrounds, uh, when it comes to um, strength conditioning and the like, um, my experience on the job and then the peer fitness training, all the other stuff, we said, Hey, let's put something together. We brought it to Boise fire department and said, Hey, can we, um, you know, we've got this product for you. We want to treat, we want to train your cadre. want to teach them up on how to utilize, uh, these sandbags. That was the medium that we used, um, for a variety of reasons. And, uh, here's, here's, here's the training on how to implement it. And here's all the tools. And then here's the programming. What do you think? And, um, we, uh, we went in really having, we were literally talking about like how much we were going to charge as we were driving up. Like we, we were just excited to be there, right? Like we're like, this is so cool. This is, you know, sort of great opportunity. And, um, last minute we decided on like this random number 
and then they agreed to it pretty quickly and so we realized we probably probably missed on that but uh it afforded us this really cool opportunity to go in and work with uh really an amazing department voice you fire some great people um we got in and were able to work with their with their cadre uh train them up over a, a couple day period and then um, worked with them as they implemented the uh, the training program that uh, that we put forth for their their recruits. And uh, you know, on the out on the I guess end side of it, we had uh, some really well prepared physically um, on top of a really good academy. They do a great job there, but their physical preparedness was where it needed to be. Um, injury rates plummeted, uh, VO two VO two max skyrocketed, and um, they had. Uh, yeah, they had a great template to work off of, so they were happy with that. Um, and so that was, I guess that was kind of the impetus of, of, uh, of Brotherhood and Training. Sound about right? Yeah. Kind of. Again, man, you've got an awesome angle on these. Well, I, yeah. Well, if you remember right, the chief had thanked me about it. He didn't even know you were involved. It was uh, yeah, awesome. That's that's true. Um the, the Brotherhood and Training, at least some of the... The, the model or, or I think I discovered the the need for training was was through the experience that I had in my academy now, I don't want to want to badmouth my training academy but there are some things that uh, man I, I was almost let down like there, there are some things that I felt were missing um, there as far as the, the physical training goes and with my background and, and some of the things that I was interested in, it's like, oh God, we're missing out on this huge element. And I remember going through the academy, and it was kind of thrown thrown away to the wayside. Like it was like more of a, a checkbox. And you mean physical, physical fitness, physical, physical fitness, fitness, yeah, yeah. And it was like, gosh, I one, I had high expectations of of what this was going to be. I came in, I prepared uh, really hard for it. I, I guess maybe it, it didn't meet the physical expectations um, in some aspects and I just uh, was like God like and I remember talking to Frank about like there, there's this huge gap or there's an opportunity here and I don't think it's any fault of their own it's just like there there's this thing going on that I don't think anybody knows about and uh, or something that I think we could we could do better right and, and what does that look like and it's not saying that they were doing it wrong, but it's like, man, here's a here's an opportunity to, to do something and make it better and pitching ideas off him. And, and he was good about, like, uh, let, let me tell you how it is, kid, um, and how how this is going to work and, and kind of those things. And, um, and so we, we started pitching back this idea of, like, is there a space in their recruit academy for... Um, some real specialized physical training. And and then that's when we started exploring that and an opportunity opened up with Boise and it was like, all right, like here's your opportunity to say what you want to say. And, uh, and then we pitched it to them and they're like, yeah, here are our goals. If you can meet them with, uh, you know, what you say. And we gave them a presentation and then we, then we went for it and we had, uh, we far exceeded the expectations set before, and I was like, "Wow, um, this is awesome!" And, and we're still doing it now. It's kind of grown to all of the departments. I mean, I, we have more work than 
uh, I don't know. Frank seems to think we have time for, for it all. So we'll, we'll yeah. see. But, yeah. Well, and to digress a little bit on, on the whole training academy deal right now, Stephen, like you're, you're in the midst of a training academy and, um, I mean, it's the classic, like if we can get 25 hours in a day, we wouldn't have enough time. Mm -hmm. And so you look at a really compressed amount of time. We have all the stuff that needs to happen and really, uh, this academy, the ones that you're giving right now, like it's the basics. It truly is the basics. Like we have taken out the fluff. I mean, all the stuff that I hear in the fire service chatter about all this wasted time and opportunity and this, that, and the other, like it's hose pulls, it's ladder throws. Like you guys are really doing the basics, but it still takes time and it still takes reps. And so when we look at that and we go, okay, how can we address ladder throws or how can we address today was extrication, right? We take and we get an SME, somebody who knows what they're doing. We bring them in and they, give a course and they, they give the material. Um, when it comes to physical preparedness or getting our, 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 uh, our firefighters where they need to be all too often, it's like, well, we can just do that with like, you know, running them a little bit or we don't have time. So we're just not gonna do it today. I mean, they're sweating their turnouts anyway, so it's not a big deal. And so because it's something that is, um, I think it's just one, it's not understood. And then two, uh, uh, it is not, um, I'm searching for a word here. It's, it's not normally it's not done very well either. And so, um, because of that, we have a tendency to just kind of put it to the back burner and we don't worry about it. Like today we're not going to get to it, but, um, everything else that we do, we have this whole like crawl, walk, jog, run philosophy. Um, and we don't apply it to, to physical preparedness. Instead, we just smoke the hell out of these guys. And we wonder why we have overuse injuries. We wonder why these guys are not getting in shape, why they're, why they're, um, they're faltering. And it's because you had no plan, like you had no plan and you had no business actually doing what you're doing. And, uh, and, and here we are, right. And those are some pretty harsh criticism. And I, and that's not pointed at anybody directly whatsoever. It's just kind of at, as, at a, as a whole, um, and, and we do that in all aspects. Police academies are the same way. We've done a lot of research on a variety of different things. So um, it's the first thing to go away. And it's the first thing to be cut from whatever is happening during the day. And, and truthfully, I mean, that's what's, that's what's killing us. And so if we're, not, if we're not addressing it now, and if we're not letting these recruits know that it's vitally important, well, then as soon as they get online, that's going to be the first thing that goes away as well, right? Um, and I'm not discounting all the basics because I... I'm throwing ladders just about every shift. I'm pulling lines. Like I'm not, I'm not debating that, but to be very good at being able to employ what we need to do on the fire ground, we have to be physically capable to do that. Job. Right. Like it's one of the basics. It, it, it truly right. is one of the basics. Yes, it is. It's just, it, it is, it is as basic as, as pulling line. It's as basic as throwing the ladder to where it needs to go. Like in my view, like all those things are talked about. They should be talked about in the same breath. They should be coming out in the same sentence. Um, and it truly is. It's just, it's, it's bread and butter, man. It's the simple stuff. In addition to what you can do, like with fire departments and, and obviously you talked about academies, you worked with my fire department, um, with some, some sandbag training and things like that. You offer some, some individualized stuff. Like what, what can an individual get from you guys? So we uh, teamed up with, uh, a, it's like a programming guy out of, uh, out of California. This is always a. So when you say programming, so we define I'm programming stu- because like, he's the programming. He's, he's guy okay. Yeah, no, you're right. This is okay. me. Not I'm, I'm not good with words, right? So, uh-huh. 
there's a platform uh, that we ended up utilizing. I think that's better said. I think I actually used the right word. So there's a platform um, Eric was uh, familiar with uh, through uh, Chris Henshaw that he was utilizing the same sort of platform. We contacted this company and said, hey, we've got this idea. And in, in, in like a broader, a broad sense, what it is, is we took, uh, hey, we know, especially in this valley here, so whether it's Boise Fire Department or the rest of the Treasure Valley Departments, um, the vast majority of them, save for like, I think like one department, um, we were doing all the, essentially all the programming for them. Um, and so since we knew essentially what the answers were to the test, it was like, well, why don't we develop a program for test prep, essentially? Like, how can we develop a program that will address that mile and a half run that Boise Fire has or other departments? Um, and how do we address uh, tackling the CPAT? And so we um, we already know what the answers are. So we worked back from there. We developed an eight-week program um, that uh, that addresses that. So folks are able to take and folks, I mean guys, guys and gals who want to be firefighters, um, they take, they enroll in the program, purchase the sandbag, and uh, then it leads them through step by step. But like you have to complete one to get to the next, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. firemen will always read ahead and they won't yeah. do the work, right? They'll just go to the hard stuff and then they hurt well, themselves. Well, Thursday looks, e- looks easier yeah, than Tuesday. Right. Right? Totally. Just going to skip to Thursday. Well, so, so in that, like the, the program and what we were doing is what we saw was you came into the academy, you passed your written exams, right? Like you excelled in your hiring process, right? And then... You and, and that's what I thought was the most difficult thing was like, yeah, like, so you go get your interview coaching, right? Like, there are options out there, really good options. So, if you're bad at interviewing, you can get coaching, you can get help there. Uh, the written exams, these things, like, people are studying for your EMT, there are programs for that. And it seemed like you do all this work and you get ready, and then you get hired, you are offered your, you know, uh, your lottery ticket right like you you made it right or you or you think you did and then to come up short because of something like a mile and a half run or a CPAP right when it's like in my opinion uh, that that was the that was the simplest thing like you know the test right all these other things like the interview and the written exam like there's all these unknowns and so you're preparing for everything but the physical exam, like, yes, you have a mile and a half run that you have to get in under this time and you get to keep your job offer. Like, congratulations. So then as I witnessed recruits and really good people, like, fall short, like, literally by a second. And it's like, wait, wait a second. How, how did you do this? You knew the answer to this test. But... Like, how, how did you come up short? It's, uh, it, it just blew me away. So that was kind of the, the genesis. Like, all right, so you've got these programs for uh, all these other parts of the hiring process and the recruit academy. Like, how do we fill in that gap? How do we make it so that if this is something that they want, yeah, we'll, we'll cover the bases. We'll make sure you're just as prepared for that physical as you are for your interview and as you are for your written exam. So I want to uh, don't let me forget. I want to talk about how someone does that, like how they get in touch with you. Sure. But like what you're telling me here is that like if you have to run a mile and a half, that like just go run isn't good advice. Because <laughs> like literally had a heated debate with some guys who are going to listen to this. Sure. Screw you guys because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like literally, the advice was like, "Hey man, a mile and a half is not a big deal. Just go run." 
And because I've seen the same people fail at mile and a half or come in just marginally prepared because they skated by, right. like it's not that's not good enough advice. So right. I mean, there's a way there. So there is a uh, an efficient use of your time. Mm-hmm. So of all the other things that you have to to do in your life, and like what, how much time or what percentage can you dedicate towards your uh, physical prep? And so when it comes to something like preparing for, uh, I mean, something as easy as strict endurance like running, yes, you can go out and you will get better at running by running, right? Uh, all too often. Um, that winds up in overuse injuries. Like people get to the finish line and fall right before because they're they're injured. Um, that's why I like running on a global scale uh, produces some of the highest injury rates out of anything. Right? It's just overuse. And so the idea of just like oh I'm just going to throw effort at it right and just run winds up with people falling short. Um, and so there is a way. There is an efficient use of time for us to target your goal. What is the goal time of your mile and a half run or whatever that, that run test is or whatever the physical is? Well, there is a way to target that is a, an efficient use of your time that will get you through the finish line without crumbling. So not surviving, but say, say thriving, I guess, right? There's, a, there's an easy way to do that. Um, and that's through like a good program versus going out there and just running. And for the folks that are just going to go out there and run, it's cool. It's going to work for some, but then for the others that it doesn't, like there's, there's a better way. Yeah. Okay. So if, if I'm that person, if I'm 22 years old and got my first physical test, like how do I get connected with brotherhood training? Uh, brotherhood training.com is, is going to be the, I mean, the simplest way to, to do that. And, uh, it'll, lead you right to the right to the page and uh, you'll be able to follow those things if you're 22 you're gonna be able to navigate the page and do all those things <laughs> if you're if you're like my age if you're like mid 40s like well then maybe we need a phone call or something because you're a little little stressed out yeah. when you get to the uh, the intranet um but well, yeah. there's no such thing as 40 year old recruits right we've got multiple right now right and they're killing it in your academy i know 40, I, them. I think there's a 50 year old is he 50 man, man they're old man old, old balls so old so old yeah so yeah all right so let's talk about coaching a little bit so you guys um in your work brother in training in your work in your own departments in your work at snicker for crossfit and then you work like just in the fire service in general um, you've had a lot of opportunities to coach. So I'm wondering if you can kind of contrast what it's like to coach civilians and what that's like versus like training firefighters in fire service skills, compare that, contrast it. And it's like, does one transfer well over to the another or are they just completely separate domains? Why don't you go and we'll yeah. see if we have different opinions. I, I mean, yeah, I'm just sure. obsessed with skill development <clears throat> and then as someone who's trying to be a good teacher and a good communicator, like I want to learn as much as I can from guys like you who have like so many touch points, so many more interactions than I'll ever uh, you know, be able to have. So uh, in the beginning <laughs> – in, <laughs> um, in the beginning. That's John Wong. Yeah. 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 Uh, I thought – that there was like, uh, as far as on the continuum, like one was on the complete other side, and and the the longer I, why was that? And I, I, I guess the the way that I looked at the job versus like the civilian, the the type of 
whatever their goals were, right? Okay. Um, and really, why was that? Because like I, I just didn't know. Like I made assumptions. Mm-hmm. And the more people I get to coach in on the civilian side, and then the fire service you're looking at like what motivates them. And that's been a huge lesson for me is, uh, I thought that, uh, or I assume that just like the job was enough, right? Like that's, that should be enough motivation, right? Like for them, like this is, this is it. Like, um, that should be enough motivation. And like, that doesn't work for everybody. It, it just doesn't. So trying to force that or connect that, um, factor, for them, as far as the guys on the job is, uh, it, it, yeah, it just wasn't working. So the more that I started to coach within the fire service, you start to realize like some, some guys like just want to be able to go hunting. Right. Um, or someone to look, look good naked. Right. Or someone to just lose weight. Like there, there's, there's a, a multitude of different things that motivate them. Uh, whether it's the job uh, pure fitness, recreation, or being able to throw the football with their kid out back. And what I've learned is that like, each one of those, totally fine. Like each one of those are valid in the fact that like, it gets them to pursue or a bias, like improving their health and fitness, like right on whatever it takes. It's like, we, we often talk about what's the, what's the cue that works, right? Like when we're trying to coach people. And it's, it's what everyone works. If I say purple unicorns and that makes you like deadlift a house perfectly without getting injured, like, guess what? I'm going to try on the next guy trying to deadlift a house, right? I'm like purple unicorn who didn't work, right? <laughs> or if it does, so wh- whatever works. And so between the civilian and the fire service, um, I draw more and more parallels with just trying to find out what, what motivates them. Um, and one, once you get on that level, and I think you can accomplish a lot, but I don't know what. Uh, well, on the movement side, right? Because there's like different aspects to this. Uh, <clears throat> Eric gave me a, a great book and uh, yeah, di- diving into this quite a bit. So um, basic human movements, right? Squat, press, uh, hinge, loaded carry. I'll say miss. There's one more. Squat, press, hinge, loaded carry, uh, missing. Oh. Pull. There you go. Yeah. So those, those are fundamental human, human movements, right? That's what everybody does. And so, um, when I'm coaching civilians, like I look for a way to, uh, to motivate them by, um, uh, applying whatever their normal day is to, to that. How does this, what does this look like to you? For the guys here in Idaho, there's a lot of hunters, like he'd said. So that's, uh, how do I, um, pick up this heavy pack where I've got my prize animal on the back of it and I get it up, a you know, up this really steep incline. Um, how do I lift and put that on my back? How do I do this? How do I do that? Um, for a mom, it's like, how do I pick up my child and, and do that effectively all day so that, uh, my back doesn't hurt. You know, and then when it comes to a firefighter, then maybe the same motivations, like you said, um, as a young fireman, I stood up on a, on a soapbox and, and I was alone because I was really right, uh, about what I thought about how, how physically fit people should be. And uh, I was off putting, like legitimately off putting and looking back on it, like it's just, it was the uh, behavior of a young man, uh, who, who was passionate, but, um, who didn't, uh, really didn't know how to get his point across. Right. So I'm going to be louder. And I'm going to show you I'm right. And so uh, that doesn't that doesn't win a lot of people onto your side. And uh, this is a team sport, 
legitimately, right? You've got a full company of guys. We have to be able to work together. Um, and behind that full company is the other engine companies and the truck or what have you that's coming behind you. So um, how do I motivate those guys? Well, I try to meet them on whatever level that they need to be met on, whether it's, like you said, getting back, you know, from like a rehab type thing or um, or what have you. you, just kind of meet them. So, so I think the parallels are there. I think that the civilian population and the mm-hmm. firefighters are so much of it is exactly there. It's the same stuff. Um, well, you you so, mentioned like the basic needs, right? Like right. Fundamental. They're all there. Human movements are, are the same, whether you're a civilian or mm-hmm. like a firefighter. It's the degree at which like you need to be able to do them, right? right. And so through thousands of hours of coaching and, and the gym has allowed me to see a, like a lot of reps, a lot of movement. <laughs> and so it's getting easier for me to spot these things. Whether you are picking someone up out of a, uh, a bathtub or you're doing a uh, barbell deadlift in a gym, it's like there are certain things that still need to be there to reduce your risk and increase performance regardless of the, of the environment. And so more and more you, you see those worlds come together. So in coaching in one has made me better in the other and, and vice versa. You, yeah. you see the, the connection and working in a gym and then the fire service has allowed really both sides of the continuum and it brings new meaning to my coaching in the gym of like everybody's here for, for great reasons. Like whatever your goals are and it's awesome. Cause I'll tell you what, like, Every six days, like, I'm going to go to work and, like, I'm going to see what happens when we don't do the things that we're doing now. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what it looks like on the other side of this. So, wherever you're coming from, whatever your goals are, like, I'm happy you're here. I have an ability or an opportunity to make change here. And then when it comes to the fire service, like now we're working on the other side of the continuum where we're really helping people that, that need help on, on the other side of things. Sure. So that's a pretty good way of putting that. So at the gym, you're trying to help keep people from being sick and broken, yeah. which are the, the folks that we visit. Yeah. And then at, at work, trying to prepare us to deal with the sick and broken. Sick and broken. Right. Because yeah. I'll, totally. I'll tell you what it looks like on the other yeah. side, right? Yeah. Like, I uh, remember. Oh man, when my when my mom first uh, was trying CrossFit, man, I hate to use the c word because you know we'll get in trouble for that. Angry uh, just hearing it, yeah. She's like, oh, I'm having so much fun. She was she was 66 uh, when she first tried, and then uh, uh, she's like, it's so much fun, but I hate burpees. And I was like, yeah, everybody hates burpees. Like I get it. Like I hate burpees, and I don't think that'll ever change. But let me tell you what it looks like when you don't have the ability to do a burpee. That's the day that you can no longer live independently. That's the day when you need help. So, like, are you all right with that? And she kind of, like, cursed, but she never does. And then it was like, fine, I'll do your damn burgers. But it was <laughs> like that. To me, it, all, it, it started to really make sense of, like, that's kind of what we were doing is, is trying to keep people independent and healthy or responding to those that – they were having trouble trouble doing that. It had become sick and broken, I guess. Yeah. Um, Frank, you talked about being potentially an off-putting young voice sure. uh, in your in your department. I think I may have been an off-putting young voice, right. yeah. and maybe even in the, in the recent past. Have you found ways to reach those folks that is less off-putting? Now, I know there are people coming to you. 
sure. who are open to that information. What about those who aren't? Have you found any way to, to connect with those folks? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that that would probably be best put to them, right? So I'm going to hopefully, <laughs> right? Because, I, I mean, right now there's guys that are like, oh, this guy's totally full of shit. He's never helped any of us. Um, one, I uh, took more time to listen, actually, uh, to what they needed. And, uh, um, and then... I tried not to label what we were doing. That was really important as well. And then tried to find just uh, common terminology we could work with. And then past experience, right? A lot of the guys played uh, football or they played baseball or what have you. So when I'm talking about working with different movement, I talk about their hips. Hey, remember when you'd swing, you know, and squish the ball with your back? Yeah, okay, totally, right? So that's you turning and utilizing your hips. And when we're doing this movement today, we're going to be utilizing that for your hip, right? Um, my department has been uh, really... Man, that in the fire service as of late, and and and, and a lot of the stuff that goes on, there's a lot of uh, kind of a throwing the like the pirate flag up. Like uh, I'm going against everybody, mm-hmm. and and like you and I talked about this a little bit. Um, I'm I'm blessed. I'm in a department that uh, I swing way above my rank. I'm able to do a lot of things that that most probably wouldn't be able to. And my department has allowed a lot of leeway when it comes to physical fitness and training within our department. So, um, so I've been given a platform to work with these guys working on those same fundamental movements that we talked about. And, um, they did it while I was off duty. I could come in and work with these crews. They did it while I was on duty. Um, and so I guess part of it is reps. The guys saw me more and more and they realized I wasn't there to feed them CrossFit. I wasn't Mm -hmm. there to feed them. This workout is going to destroy you. Mm -hmm. It couldn't be farther from the truth simply trying to teach you how to move correctly, how to clean up your movement, how to make sure that you, uh, you're, you're safe in what you're doing. So you can not only, cause I don't like the, well, I want you to be great in retirement. Like, I think that's kind of a bullshit thing. Like, of course we all want to be great in retirement. That's like, it doesn't have to be said, but I actually want you to be a really, really good fireman. Um, I live in the city I protect. I want you to be able to get, like, get my family out. Like that's vitally important to me because they're not in my first two, like they're well across town. So like, couple engines across the city need to be on top of their game to be able to help my family out. So when I'm chatting with them and when I'm working with them, one, um, I took a lot of the weight out of it and we work just on movement. So it's barbells or it's sandbags. It's something that is, um, that they can work with and, uh, we just work on the movements themselves. And, um, man, I, I just, uh, I'm not coming from a place of ego, I guess. Like, actually, I've had some kids, uh, I've made some mistakes. And so, like, I'm coming from a place of just, like, really wanting to do best by the men and uh, and to lead with uh, with that, I guess. Like, I, I know some stuff. I don't know all of it, but I know some stuff. And I want to get this across to you. And uh, once they knew that I wasn't coming at them, and it took a lot of time to undo, like, my earlier years, right, as a young man, guys are way more open to it. So, it's just a, it's a long process, man, mm-hmm. I guess. So... So it's a department empowering me and me getting out there and just trying to lead by doing what's right. And Eric is, uh, he's just gotten onto our department, but he's, he's stepping into the role as well. So it's, it's great. You guys both have athletic backgrounds and we talked about this a little bit with Eric. Frank, you played high school soccer. You're, you're definitely an athletic dude. How do you view the idea of occupational athletes? Um, and, and I'm just wondering how that looks and whether or not your experience as athletic athletes you know as we talked about you know eric was like a professional level snowboarder 
on the cusp of the Olympic team, collegiate hockey team captain. Um, so, so you've had legitimate athletic experience and now you're in this scope of like potentially trying to work with, you know, what, what some people term occupational athletes. So how, how do you look at that? What's that mean to you? Uh, I think if we're I think if we're arguing over occupational athlete or not, I think uh, I think everything else is right in our world. I think it's <laughs> I think it's lame. Actually, I don't. Okay, good. I mean, like, legitimately, I because normally the guys that we're arguing with are the same guys that are wanting to do right by their guys and that are wanting to stay fit, and instead we get hung up on like on this word. So, like, I don't care if they want to call it occupational athlete. Or they don't, or like it just doesn't like. Man, it's about semantics. Like, it's just cares? semantics. I like I don't, I don't care. Like I, I, I don't like. For me, if you don't want to say that, that's fine. If you do, that's great. Like tactical can, athletes, pretty tactical cool. athlete. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Like that sounds like uh, like Velcro and like you know cool tactical hats and shit. I've always wanted one of those, so that sounds cool. But like I, for me, it's not. Yeah, life is pretty damn good if we're arguing over occupational athlete because that same guy. And I've listened to him on some of this stuff. We agree on so much. Like mm-hmm. I would actually at this point in my life go, yeah, man, cool. Don't call. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it won't like, it doesn't fire me up. Yeah. It's not something I'm going to hang my hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the same guys fighting the same battle. I'm not going to, I'm not going to split hairs to worry about that, I mm-hmm. guess would be my answer. So this is kind of a basic question and I kind of hate to ask him, it, but it's something that I've wrestled with a lot and I've wrestled with it on this podcast before which is the idea of what's the ideal way to train for a firefighter. And of course that's driven by what is fit enough or what is strong enough or what is conditioned enough. So um, is it possible to like put a universal benchmark for what is sort of the ideal fitness training plan for a firefighter or is that individualized? I wouldn't say it is individualized. I think we would measure the demands of the basics, like what are the things that you have to do as a firefighter? What are the requirements? And really those requirements are showing up prepared and meeting the expectations of the community you serve. So I think I probably heard it off your podcast, but it's when Someone calls 911, they aren't asking for, you know, they hope they get the, you know, the, the top line, right? Like, uh, they got to play hockey, so it's like, they aren't, you know, sitting there hoping, like, you know, or wondering what line they get. Like, we need to be able to show up, meet the demands of our community, and then that program or whatever those demands that we deem is, is how we need to train or the, the goals that we need to achieve. Does that make any sense at all? I think so. I mean, legitimately, we all need to meet the same demands, right? So, like, universally, the same things are asked. So, we're, so that's the broad-based, like, <laughs> answers, right? The individual aspect comes into, um, I can think of multiple firemen on, 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 our, on our department that have an extremely high, like, aerobic background. So, the gentleman that comes in who is an elite, like, uh, marathoner, um, the needs are like this, that's with individual versus like the, the guy that comes in, that's like a strong man lifter, right? Like they both have holes in their game. So we know end game what's needed. And that's all the stuff that happens on the fire grounds. They come in with uh, their, you know, their strengths and then 
their most assuredly defined weaknesses. So the individuality comes into like where they need to bias some of their training. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> right? There is individual and there's a broad thing. Yeah. And so that's just, it's just a thinking man's way of going about it, right? Like everyone has to throw a ladder, but a six foot three guy is going to throw it differently than like a five foot six guy, which is totally adequate by the way. <laughs> so, right. It's just a different way of going about it. it. It's the same stuff has to be done. But for me, I have to do things a little bit different or I have to, to work on things a little bit harder to make the same thing happen. So I guess, yeah. So it would be, the answer is yes. Cool. Yeah. I think that leads us to the next question, which is something that I've thought about uh, both inside and outside of the fire service. You know, I've, I have friends and you guys have friends and sometimes Someone will, you know, I'll just run into someone at the gym or they'll talk to me about fitness because they know that it's important to me and and they'll tell me about what they're doing and, and what they're doing is not uh, what I would consider to be ideal or even useful and I don't want to be that, that off-putting voice anymore. So I'm not sure how to approach that kind of a conversation. So I'm wondering how you guys as professionals who are, you know, much more experienced and educated, like what do you do when someone tell, is excited to tell you about this new fitness plan that they're, they're, they're on and uh, it's junk? Junk. Uh, man, I, I've got a secret and that is that uh, – what does Dan John say? Everything works. Mm. So okay. – uh, yeah. Everything works to to the to a certain degree, and I think if if they are doing a program um, like consistently, they're going to get some sort of change. Mm-hmm. I think most commonly, I get like the like, hey, I've got this program. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, let, let's do it. Let's do it. And and the biggest error is, or where they run into tro- like trouble is just even beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Um, like, I, I wouldn't say that I, I would pass judgment. I'm here to be like an advocate and answer questions. And I would love it if they wanted help with their program, but it's like, man, let's just start. Let's just start. And does it meet your expectations? Then like, how can I be an advocate for that? Um, so I guess when, when people come to me with those programs, it's like, awesome. Let, let's get rolling. Let's get rolling. Whatever it is, man. If that is uh, rollerblading down the the freeway in a mini skirt, and that makes you a better fireman, then like mm-hmm. I might start trying that uh, tomorrow. But I don't know. Yeah, I I would. I mean, I would agree with Haskins. Like I, I have a lot of guys that they'll come to me, um, and they're just you know immediately want to throw the bridle of uh, CrossFit at me, mm-hmm. and it's like, I mean, it's not CrossFit, and it's like. Dude, like I, I'm not starting the conversation. It's like the guy that wants to talk to me about tattoos. I'm like, I have a lot of them, but I don't talk to you about not having any. I just find it <laughs> odd. That's the first thing that you open your conversation with. Um, my engineer is like, he's old as death. He's super old, but he's uh, he does P90X, man, and uh, it's great. Like, good. He gets after it, man, and he humbles dudes like a third of his age on a regular basis. So that's his answer. And, and that's what it should be. And like, like Eric said, like most of these people, they come to you and the error where they, where it becomes junk is that either a, like if it's completely unsafe, like they're lifting something like incorrectly, then of course, then we'll like, 
we'll get in before there's an acute injury. But otherwise, it's like, well, just do it. Like, do work. Like, just yeah. do work. Like, again, like you said, start, start, and then stick with it. Like, that's what I would rather see. Um, and again, it's like arguing the occupational athlete thing. I'm like, dude, you're doing, you're doing stuff. Like, we're talking the same language. You know, like get after it, do work, get sweaty, you know? And, and the really cool thing is, is once they've done that, they've gotten a taste for it. Well, then they start asking more questions and then we get to have the dialogue. And, and, and then I, I get to give them a little bit of, 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 of my, you know, my experience. And then they still get to make their own choice, figure out where they want to go. And that's, that's good. As long as it's, you know, moving them in the right direction. Okay. Uh, Bobe. So I, I keep doing this. So... I typically call Frank, Frank, and typically call Eric Haskins. So I'm doing this weird switch between first and last names. So, I mean, deal with it, whatever. You're an IFF peer fitness trainer for your department. Right. So what's your peer fitness trainer uh, experience been like? Um, okay. Uh, well, I started the program or started in the program quite a while ago. Uh, I actually have no idea how long I've been doing it. Um, well, like over 10 years. Yeah, man, I've been hit in the head a lot. I don't know how this works. I'm not great with dates. Hopefully some people listening will... Uh, yeah. I wish Michaela were here. She'd be able I to do, tell us. Yeah, exactly. my wife would Your be beautiful wife, Who is yeah, also yeah. responsible for most of those blows to the head. Yeah. Um, so she's, she's ashamed of him right now. <laughs> on so many levels. This is the same man that got a haircut for a podcast. This is true. <laughs> man, that hurts. That hurts. Uh, I, I think... I think it's a very... I think the program is extremely well intended and I think it's encumbered by uh, a lot of like a large agency, like most things. Um, I took the, uh, the pure fitness program and it's the same as essentially it's, it's based off of ACE, which is a certifying body or or what have you. And I'd done their program as a, as a, um, as a young man, like in 97, I think. And then I took this and whenever I did, um, and, uh, similar deal dive into, you know, the biology and, the chemistry of the body and all these different things, levers, everything else. And so they give you a really good working knowledge of like uh, physiological like aspects of the human body. But then we spent like zero time in, in the, in the weight room, like being able to watch people move. Now, granted, I took this a decade or more ago. And so um, it has changed. I know it has changed. I haven't retaken it. So I think we're, I think it's very well intended. I think it is it is moving in the right direction. Um, I think more emphasis on uh, movement patterns and being able to actually like take a group of firemen and show them how to squat properly and how to pick stuff up properly is like, that's way more important than um, knowing about like, you know, actin and myosin and telomeres. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't, I being able to say fun words is cool, but like I need to be able to diagnose and then properly help a guy execute a, a movement. So he, so he can, you know, be safe. Like that's actually what needs to be done. Um, but they are setting some really good foundational goals. Their VO two max stuff for incoming firefighters as well as incumbent firefighters. Like there's a lot of really good work there and I don't want to downplay it because they have a recognize the issue. And the issue is, is that, um, it's overexertion. Like we are not in the type of shape we need to be in to do the job that's demanded of us. And because we're firemen, we will do it regardless of what physical condition we come into. Right. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if you're, you know, uh, some amazing athlete or and we already digressed on that or like, you know, Joe blow, like you are going to make it happen. Firemen make it happen. That's what we do. 
Um, it's what happens to your body later on. That's the issue. Right. And so, um, so they're trying to address it. I think we have a long ways to go, but I think that, um, that program, um, think there's legs to it. We just got to figure it out. Mine and my department, um, we, we've, we still, we still do the CPAT. We do it, um, as defined by the wellness fitness initiative. Um, and, uh, we are active within our, uh, our department, but we could be so much more and so much better. Um, and I'm part of that. I'm as much, I'm a part of that issue as well. Like, I mean, I, I interact with my guys a lot. I do programming for a lot of people and work with a lot of, a lot of individuals as well as a lot of departments. Um, but we can always do more. We can always do better. So, so I think the program is good, but I think we can be better. Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. Uh, I like that you mentioned about, about movement. You know, it's interesting to me. It's like, uh, going to a chiropractor with a, with a problem and, um, you get diagnosed lying down on your face. And, and, and I've had good experiences and bad experiences with chiropractors. So this isn't necessarily like a shot at chiros by any means. Um, I've had them fix my rib multiple times and save my life. Um, but the idea that, that my back could be diagnosed like laying down on my face without ever seeing me move is really interesting. And, and then going to like a good PT. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is like, well, let me see it. Let me see a lunge. Let me see a squat. Let me see a bend over, you know, hinge, move a little bit. And something I really appreciate about your program, obviously you, you put us in the training category for this academy through uh, your program and just so much movement, so much like watching us move, um, demonstrating movements and fixing faults. I don't, I don't know how you're ever going to get better without like watching someone move. So I really appreciate that about, about your program. Your unique experience that you bring here, among other things, that I wanted to talk about, Haskins, as uh, you know, uh, Frank brought up tattoos. I, I spy something peeking out for your sleeve there. So last year you were uh, the first one of my like good friends, and someone that that I that I know well who went through Georgia Smoke Divers program, and uh, I think you liked it. So yeah, uh, tell me about your experience with Georgia Smoke Divers. Yeah. Uh... The Georgia Smoke Diver program um, met and exceeded my expectations in a, in a major way. I talked a little earlier about searching for, for something and wanting to be tested. And that was uh, that was something that, that fulfilled um, a lot of a lot of those those things for me. The experience was overwhelming. Uh, I came back, I, I felt like I was changed. Uh, to a degree, I was motivated. Um, I also had a sense of uh, confidence or belief in myself after what I had been through. Uh, there was a significant amount of training, and then I was put into evolutions that tested my ability to make critical decisions. That I didn't uh, like. You had to. Yeah, you had to do the things. I guess, um, which was unlike anything that I'd been through and it was what I was looking for. So, so what's your, give me your elevator pitch for someone who is thinking about something like that. Someone who is into training and, uh, just maybe hasn't considered it. Yeah, I, I would, I would define your why, like why, why do you want to go out there? Um, what, what are you looking for? Are you looking to man, just like get your ass kicked? Well, that, like that's, that's not what it is. It isn't just a beat down. 
Like, do you want to become a better fireman and see what you're capable of? Uh, do you want high-level training that's going to put you in real serious scenarios that's going to require you to utilize the skills that they teach you and you train on um, to be successful? Like, then that's it. Uh, when I first heard of the program, uh, it caught my attention. I, I think a, a guy at the station was saying, yeah, they're the, the Navy SEALs of the fire service. And uh, I was like, oh, well, what do you mean by that? And I was like, well, it's got an attrition rate of like 35 to 75%. And again, I'm like, you know, what, what's this? And I started looking into it. And the, the website gave uh, like basic information, but they didn't like give it away. And there was, they, they had said like this was advanced training mm -hmm. for firefighters, it teaches you in uh, survival techniques for self-rescue and rescue of downed firefighters as well as victims under heavy smoke, live fire conditions. And um, that was something that I had some experience with, but I wanted, I, I, I had to know what like I was capable of. I needed to be able to take myself right up to the edge. And nobody around here had, had done it. Um, it was a huge risk. Like, uh, God, there, there, there's a physical uh, test involved with it. And yeah, because so, you can go out there and get all the way there, begin, program, yeah. and, like, perform less than – less than stellar and then you don't get to train like you don't get to compete is that do i understand that correctly yeah so that there's a there's an in-state qualification test um <clears throat> that you can go through and i i want to say uh from my class i think there was like 400 people 400 plus people that showed up and they took the top candidates out of that and and the physical test isn't i, I wouldn't say super hard but they're going to take the the best and that is just like to to get in um and they do that a few months before or if you're an out-of-state candidate you have the option of uh if your application is accepted and you signed up um, you can come out a day early go through the qualification process and if you pass then you can show up the next day and begin with with the in-state candidates and that's to, to kind of save on, on money and expenses going out there so you don't have to make two trips and coming from Idaho, that's kind of a, a big expense. And so I went out there the day before and did that. And uh, they would have turned me down if I did not meet the requirements. They would have been like, hey, thanks for coming out. I'm like, you're going home. And so I took that seriously knowing the risk. I think that was a, a bit of a benefit for me was knowing like I was all in. I was gonna do everything I needed to do to prepare physically and mentally for what I expected to be the hardest challenge of, of my life. Answer that was pretty good. Yeah. It actually, so I, th I think you wrapped up uh, GSD pretty well, and uh, but you mentioned the hardest challenge of your life. And I'm, I'm going to challenge you on that okay. because I know that you have a baby coming. Oh, yeah. And yeah, here, that thing. Yeah. So I'm here to tell you about the hardest time of your life. Because I'm three of them. Uh, but I did want to ask you guys, uh, because a lot of people out there have kids, and I have kids. And I wonder, 
from your perspective as coaches, as firefighters, as people um, interested in athleticism and fitness and just like high level performance in general, like what have you done or what do you intend to do? What do you think is a good way to sort of usher your kids into a lifestyle that encourages fitness? It's awesome that you're asking this because I was literally just like asking advice for Has from Haskins right now on on uh, with my son. So I think that the the plain or the simple answer that probably holds the most value and most truth is model the behavior you want to see in your kids. Like that that's really it. Like um, be active. Don't eat like a child. Right. Like and and just hold to that. You know, if you that's that's I guess that's the biggest thing. My kids have had very unique opportunity they've grown up uh with with people like eric and uh all these other really amazing people like yourself you you worked out with me for a long time as well um they've grown up in the gym so they know nothing different than going to the gym and hanging out for four or five hours playing on rings throwing balls uh kicking balls you know power cleaning at age seven or six uh and and like they, they understand and they intuitively know how to do that but um but legitimately all they're doing is they're just mimicking what they're seeing around them. That's, that's it. Like very plain and simple is if you want your kid to be interested in being physically active, um, then be physically active and like show them the joy in getting out and sweating and doing things. And, and it, it doesn't have to be throwing a ball or what have you. It can be picking up stones or archery or whatever other thing you're going to do, like find something your kid enjoys and do that. Um, that's where it's at. My son wanted no part of any of the sports I grew up with and uh, it blew my mind. Um, but I just, I, I had a lot of really good men around me and got good mentors that were like, yeah, I just, you know, whatever it is, like let him pursue it and uh, wrestling and all these other things. And finally he fell on soccer, you know, and I was able to have this common language. But I can tell you right away, like with that comes pitfalls because I'm the most excited guy ever because I can, you know, help him in so many yeah. ways. And I was just talking to Eric and how I can be the, the dad that he needs to be. And it, it's it's by being his dad, not his coach, actually. Like, from a dude who's got a little baby in utero, right, he's given me information uh, as, a, as a guy that was a high-level athlete and, mm-hmm. like, how it could be different. And so... Um, so I guess I would say model, model the correct behavior and then lean on dudes that are smarter than you because they're all around you and that'll probably get you where you need to go. So that's my, my two cents. Man, I, I got no experience with this kid. <laughs> like, I kind of want to just like get this on tape, like how you're going right to do now, this yeah. and then, and then yeah, uh, like play it back in five years. It, like, jeez, oh, like I haven't, haven't figured out my method uh, <laughs> uh, there's no textbook that let's see here I, I'm excited to have, have a kid I, I'm thrilled I'm in a good place uh, my wife is uh, amazing and we're, we're just we're like ready for this and I'm surrounded by families or fathers that I want to emulate and I, I've done that very purposefully I surround myself with people that um, make me better and I watch what they do with their kids and it's like well that worked and then I'll watch Frank be like that didn't work I'll make sure that I don't do what he he did Um, but I I think about my my experience and uh, all the opportunities I was given and uh, I think for me like I I just want to 
give my kids as many opportunities as possible. There are things that I really enjoyed um, and I had great experiences. I was super fortunate and I, I got to travel the world uh, snowboarding uh, <laughs> mountains around the world like because I was given an opportunity and that could have been something that my main sponsors being my parents mm -hmm. uh, like they could have easily said no mm -hmm. right and I was afforded opportunities to excel and to fail um, and probably failed way more than I ever achieved but Again, it was still like just given the chance. And so when I think about this little monster that's on his way, it's like he deserves that opportunities and we'll, and we'll figure out uh, what he likes to do. And uh, God, he'll probably hate hockey. He'll probably uh, hate snowboarding. And uh, like that's, that's all right. We'll figure it out. I, I don't know. And, and I'm surrounded by guys that, that are going to help me out. I don't know. A lot of trust. And, and, you know, the guys sitting around me right now. So, Yeah. Uh, that's cool. It's, it's fun to talk about. It's been a fun journey for me. I did not grow up playing soccer like you did, Frank, but my kid did. So I've been like knee-deep in that for the last nine years, which has been really unusual because I don't – I don't really know how to help. We get in the car and I'm like, what is the deal with the way you're positioned? And he like explains it all to me. He's super smart. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, I don't, I don't know. But we just got a basketball hoop and it's, it's, you know, set up in, in the driveway and we got a big driveway so we can like play some full on games. Like now I can like tell him how to like actually do some things. It's really, you know, you it's kind of fun. I mean, no, I just, I played a playing pickup, or grew up playing pickup games. I never really, I wasn't good, but I, I don't know. I probably played 15,000 pickup games. I played a lot of basketball growing up. Um, my friends were all basketball players, so. Did you, did you ever make it up to, to Hoop Fest and, and spoke? I've, I've played in, on some three on three. I've had yeah, some, some negative three on three experiences. People cut their teeth <laughs> in, 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 the, uh, in, in the dropping games. Yeah. No, uh, my my days are definitely over with that, but uh, um, it's fun. It, it's fun to uh, – it's been fun to learn about a new game with my kid and connect in that way. And I have another one who is like a jump roper. I mean, it's the weirdest the weirdest thing. You know, life's, life's so fun. So big challenges ahead of you, man, but it's going to be – it's yeah. going to be super fun. All right, so you talked about GSD, uh, which I think is an interesting lead-in and something I wanted to talk with you about um, because it's you know high-level performance, high levels of uh, physiological and psychological stress. So um, I know you are really a nerd about this. We've talked about this. You, you kind of have shared some notes on uh, the physiological effects of stress on performance, and I'm interested to know kind of your take on that. Um, what you've learned about that and like does fitness play into that equation yeah this was a this has kind of been a uh, like a, I don't know, a passion project Frank is going to make fun of me for saying that term um, but as far as stress on performance and this is something that we saw uh, with a with a new member of uh our department a while ago on, on the fire ground that totally unraveled and 
people were looking for answers as, as to why these things happened. And it was interesting. I, I'd read uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman's book on combat, and it just like blew me away. Like all these things that I kind of like thought I knew, and it was just laid it all out there. Um, and while members of the department were kind of wondering, they were looking for answers as to why this firefighter behaved this way. And I started developing a class of like, all right, um, while the, these things happen and you can maybe blame it all like the FNG, right? Like, like the new guy. Um, well, I, th- I, I thought there was other things at play. So I spent a lot of time researching it and going through uh, Georgia smoke divers and realizing the, the relationship of stress and performance. Like this is something that uh, is real, something I think that we should be taking more seriously and become not only aware of, but create some strategies on how to mitigate them. Maybe teaching our newest members how to mitigate um, stress. Um, and then how, how does fitness play play a role in that? Well, so as, as we hit these conditions uh, that like Grossman and Bruce Seidel would, would, would put out as far as conditions of yellow, red, uh, gray, and black, um, and then what that does to our body. And it is shown through research that those who uh, have higher levels of fitness can deal with uh, that sort of sympathetic response. And when I read line of duty death reports and I do research on the guys, uh, Frank talks a little bit earlier about uh, firemen. They're all, always gonna, gonna be up for, for the task, right? Like they're going to uh, show up and do whatever it takes. And they're going to rely on adrenaline and some of these hormones to, to get there and get through it. Um, but what happens when that incident is done? And I, I think that parasympathetic backlash or that hangover from that big up is super dangerous on the unfit or, or the less fit. And that's where fitness comes in uh, to play. So we need to be taking our fitness more seriously so that when we take those huge shots of, of adrenaline, the, these drugs that we're giving patients to come back, right? Mm-hmm. Like when they come home or come back to the station and start coming down from that huge up, if their fitness uh, is not at a level that was able to handle that sort of stress, then that's potentially where why or you know where we're finding our brothers and sisters in bed the next morning and, and not waking up and and that's something that uh is, is super dangerous and and i don't know if if we're doing enough to prepare them for it so i, I think that's where fitness plays a big role in creating some resiliency and some buffer um especially as we get older like father time is robbing us of the ability to withstand uh, these sorts of stressors, right? And unless we are proactively taking the measures to um, fight off that, then eventually it's gonna it's gonna rob us of that. Okay, so we've we've talked a little bit about this class. Uh, you've been you've been like kind enough to to let me kind of pick through it and ask you some questions. And um, much like uh, we talked with with Frank earlier about. Um, like how 
we're good at identifying big problems. Mm-hmm. So such as psychological stresses affect human performance. We're good at identifying that. We're not always good at identifying like, okay, what is the next step? Mm-hmm. So you talked about establishing a buffer physically. And, and that was a direct answer to my question about how does fitness play into it? What have you found through experience or through research that are some ways that we can mitigate that elevated condition of red, gray, black as defined by guys like Grossman, which are not just a response to heart rate, but also to you know a, a hormonal response as well. Yeah, and, and that that's an important difference to make. And, and heart rate, whether it's exertional or caused by like a huge hormonal dump, is there's a big difference. So we can't just do 100 burpees, get our heart rate up to 180, 185, and then, you know, to elicit that sort of stress and then train for that. Like there's a big difference. We don't get into those conditions from exertional heart rates. Where that stress response or these conditions, they come from a acute like response caused by hormones. And it's those things that uh, like are, are, are such a danger to us. So we, we can create awareness where you might see um, a fellow uh, firefighter, someone coming off your engine, like exhibiting these traits, right? So we can become aware of it. But another uh, important aspect would be creating um, like strategies to mitigate those things. So how do you process when that call comes in What's your checklist for reducing the unknowns? Mm-hmm. Like what's your system, right? And so I think about uh, when, when those tones go off, you're starting to listen to your update, right? You're, you're painting that picture. And your goal is to start reducing the unknowns and have a plan upon arrival. And does that plan match the picture that you've painted when you show up on arrival? And hopefully it does. So we've reduced as many unknowns and controlled for as many variables as possible. So we've attempted to reduce that stress response. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we don't have those systems in place, which we practice through things like mental rehearsal, your internal dialogue, through training, creating future memories, especially for a new guy like myself, like I, I don't have the experience that say Frank has. So I have to rely on training to create future memories that I can utilize to make critical decisions, right? And so while they might not be the same scenario, things like uh, Georgia Smoke Divers puts me in these scenarios where I am faced with having to make a decision right now based on all the knowledge that I'm given, right? Reduce the unknowns. I've been given the training, taking a deep breath and a pause, um, and then, and then making a decision um, based off of uh, what, what I know has been successful in the past. And if all you know is, has led you to failures, like that's gonna do what? Like create more, more stress, right? Which instead of your fight flight, like now you're freezing, now you're doing nothing but, but waiting for your demise. Um, so creating those mental strategies, um, and a lot of the class that I'm working on right now is, is giving, trying to, to give strategies to, to firefighters on, on how you practice those, right? How you 
develop those so that when you're put in those situations, uh, whether it's in something as high stress as the Georgia Smoke Divers School or real incidents, like you have that framework to rely on um, that can at least reduce that stress response so that you can go operate, do your job, do what you're expected to do and meet the requirements of what what is your calling, I guess. That's awesome. Uh, I love that stuff and I, I, I think the work you're doing is going to be super important in this region and I'm excited to try and, and get you to deliver it to, to our people, to our new people so that they, you know, like you said, can, can begin their careers with that, uh, with those mental models and those strategies. Okay. So you guys, I'm, I know have listened to the podcast a time or two. So uh, we're going to dig into a couple like the standard questions that we get to. Uh, so you get to go first as the senior man, AKA old guy, Frank, uh, what's the fire service wasting its time on? I think I kind of hit on this earlier. Uh, <clears throat> looking for, for enemies, I guess, or just looking for, uh, um, something to fight against. I, I, we all have challenges within our departments and, uh, yeah, as I grow older and uh, more lame, I guess I just um, the extreme uh, anger and stuff is just it. It's uh, there's a especially in the social meets, like people like dive into it and they want to see it, and uh, but and, and and there's a lot of like truth to it. Like I'm not discounting that, but um, like with that, uh, I see a lot. I mean, the guys that are coming with solutions. Like that's, that's where it's at. But just to be angry for the sake of a t-shirt or a hat, like just blows my mind. And I think it's, uh, it, it actually, um, it, it takes away from their message. And so, so for me as, as a, you know, guys married for a long time, like I, I'm a little, yeah, I got a little more uh, grace under my belt. And so, uh, cause it's been given to me actually, that would be why. <laughs> so I just, yeah, man, like, I think we're just, we're the sake of being angry for being angry. Like it just doesn't do anything for me. Like that's, I think that's where we're wasting it. It's a lot of really good men and women, um, who have a really great message. I just think that it could, some of that, um, energy could be applied to just, you know, what you're doing, which is, which is, is educating people and, uh, and, and bringing about the best in, in folks and bringing like, like-minded individuals together to, to make, to make the men and women that serve with us better. Like that's where the energy should be applied. Not, not in being angry. So I, so I guess that would be, that would be my answer. I think that's great. I know that question can be like, that that can be approached in a divisive way. Mm -hmm. Like that can, that can, be a question that's approached in a way that where we try to, to make multiple camps and, and be angry about something we're wasting our time on. So yeah. I think that's a really thoughtful uh, question there, or excuse me, a, a really thoughtful answer there. Okay. Haskins, you spent a lot of time with your nose in books. So tell me if you could have every firefighter in America read one thing, book, article, blog post, what would it be? Oh man. I think so that the first book that I read out of the, the fire academy and I'm so thankful I did was uh, the combat position uh, that book uh, touched on all the things that I was interested in right away uh, motivated me got me fired up and I, I still like ripped that thing apart and so um, yeah I think what Chris Brennan did with that and what he's what he's continuing to do 
That's it, man. Combat position. Episode 12 guest, Chris Brennan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The absolute best. That's that's a fantastic. Awesome episode. What do you got for uh, for a book or an article, Frank? That's tough, man. I, there's so many out there. I you have up, you have learned to read. Haven't I you? have learned to read. Yeah, um, and I normally I get like books. He, he's lying. Like there's, <laughs> there's, there's audio books. Like, okay, too. there yeah. we go. Like, so his audible subscription is, is insane. Shit. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, it's. I, I enjoyed the hell out of extreme ownership and I, I found a lot of lessons in that that have really um, rang true and uh, I when I got the ability to go and watch watch uh, Jocko which was oh my god phenomenal yeah these assholes made me sit like right next to him alright so we're gonna go off on a tangent here this is, this is a story that, that needs to be told uh, so uh, a group of us went down to see uh, Jocko speak down in Utah. It was a FireX conference. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, man. those Fire guys X did a great job. But, like Salt Lake, but so but it, cool. it was early. Like he, this was before roll call mm. and, and anything that was first responder like oriented. And this was part of their fire conference. And we were pumped up. I think these guys got me a ticket for my birthday, and there was a truck full of us that went down. Yeah, and, and the guys that we went down with are much larger than Frank and I. Uh, one being Phil Desolate, which uh, needs a, well, him and Jesse both need a, a truck to themselves, but so some rather large fit individuals. That's going to come into play later, but uh, we did our best to arrive on time, and uh, yeah, we showed up a little bit early, but everybody else was... Yeah. Super early. Super early, yeah. right? And there was one table available, and that was dead center, front row, right next to the uh, projector. And it was just like, oh, shit. I <laughs> probably shouldn't swear. Uh, you can swear? Okay, cool. Then we need to record again. <laughs> <laughs> like, everything I really wanted to say. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we start walking in everyone is at their table there's one table available it's like sweet we'll go up front and like there's Jocko with his arms crossed and he was like oh here comes like the fit crew right like come take me on I don't know he said something well and I had to go to the bathroom like I always do I take like a shit yeah and so you guys left the chair right next to him that was the only one oh for sure oh Um, god so like yeah we're we're walking up and there's this whole face off and we're kind of like oh man yeah Jocko he's a pretty big dude like I think Phil could probably take him (laughs) but uh, uh, as we're walking up you know we we end up like uh, shaking his hand he talks a little smack and it was good and then the first thing Frank says is like oh you sound bigger on your podcast. <laughs> like, like that's it. That's what you lead with. Like, I got you, nervous. You I sound think, bigger uh-huh. on your podcast. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? He is towering over you right now. <laughs> and uh, it then turned into this thing where he like looked at Frank and like eyed him down. Was like, really, little guy. And uh, for the rest of the conference, there, uh, like, he'd be talking about these scenarios. It's like, all right, here's a leadership scenario. Like me. And uh, Frank here um, are about to like, you know, kick down this door and we're going in and he, you know, he's got his hands up doing, you know, the tactical shit. And um, I was so excited to hear my name in the story. Yeah. Yeah. Frank's like, yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, Frank's breacher. 
And like, you know, if I'm if I'm a poor leader and I just let Frank, you know, Frank's gonna do what he does. He's gonna kick in that door and Frank just goes rushing in, like no discipline, right? Frank gets shot in the face and he's dead. <laughs> and like every scenario of yeah. what not to do utilized Frank. Yeah. And he died. Like every <laughs> single one. Like and it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> And How many uh, times did Jocko kill you in that day? A lot. Well, <laughs> I, yeah. Well, you you want to kill yourself? Kill. Kill. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't yes. Jocko. There's, there's the lesson. Stellar. It was Jocko. There, there's yeah. the lesson. Um, <laughs> yeah. But and so, oh my God, we were just cracking up this whole time, and uh, like, man, like we thought that like Frank, you know. We should have known better. We'd be embarrassed about all this. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. I mean, Any, anybody else that's like, really, man, I was the butt of every yeah. single joke yeah, right. um, from Jocko, of all people. And then on the drive home, Frank was like, man, this reminds me of the time I was in the, in the Wasatch Front with Jocko. Remember all those missions? Man. And it was like, he like changed the story to like yeah. how he used to serve with Jocko. And we all do that, great, right? We man. run our narratives. Yeah, I was right. right. Yeah. Oh shit! It was it was it was pretty it was hilarious. Pretty, it was man. pretty epic. Yeah, yeah. it's super yeah. fun. You guys definitely so. need to take extreme ownership for putting Frank in a position where he had to open his mouth. I can't stop myself. Yeah, yeah. So this is your fault for talking on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Okay. I, I went, you last, you next again. You just talked a lot, but you have to talk more. Uh, what actionable advice would you give to the firefighter with an officer who refuses to train or only begrudgingly allows training? Oh, man. Um, lead yourself first. So th this was a, a, a lesson I learned. I got uh, moved out to uh, a different station. And was told, like, uh, man, I was going to be on my own. I was going to be on an island. And uh, the captain that I was working for was months away from retirement. And I was like, good luck. Um, and so I started with just with, with myself, like not worrying about anybody else. And when it came to working out or training, um, man, like all I, all I could control was myself. And it didn't take long for another guy in the crew to poke his head out, like, like where's Haskins, right? Like, um, and like, oh, like, you know, what are you doing? And then try to make it inviting or make it open. Like, hey, like, come join me. Like, if I'm doing a workout, I'm not doing something that they can't do. Like, hey, like, this is, hey, like, this, this would be fun. Let me show you this, right? And uh, it didn't take long for this captain that, you know, um, he won't listen to this because he doesn't know how to use his iPhone. <laughs> um, but uh, went from definitely not uh, not interested in, in, in training or, or working out at that point where now he was the odd man out, like, like a force multiplier. Like I had started recruiting guys in and making it something that uh, I, I wasn't going to judge them. It was like, hey, man, this is going to be fun. Like, let's do this together. Can you come help me, right? Like, especially if you can find a guy like, hey, come help me. Like, give them the reason to come come join you. And then uh, the, the captain or the officer was uh, 
the odd man out, so it didn't take long for him to start poking his head around the corner, right? And we were prepared for this. Like, we would set out things for him, be like, oh, you know, whatever excuse he had, like, no, no, like, uh, you don't have, you know, or uh, don't have time for this, or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, make it inviting um, and, and always give him the option. Like, and it, it didn't take long for uh, my officer to, to come out and start training with us every day. And it got to the point that he would come to me uh, in the middle of my truck check, tapping his watch, just being like, hey, like, when are we getting started with this? Like, let's get our workout in or like, let's get our training in. And uh, it was a, a valuable lesson for me of that uh, like one man wolf pack. And uh, like he, he just started bringing them in, but it, it doesn't start unless like you lead yourself first um, and then just be open and, and I had plenty of plans and great ideas and those always changed to include somebody else mm-hmm. like it, it turned into it wasn't about me it was like well now it's about we right like what what a, what can we do that will now make us too right so it's fantastic I think there's so much power in inviting people into a better story or into your story um, and then being open to, to what they have to share as well. It's cool. So, Frank, uh, 21 years almost on. I want to know what advice you would give to yourself right off probation. Uh, oh, gosh. Man, that, that's a, actually a really tough question because there's a ton of advice. There's a lot of things that I, I wish I would have uh, had a, a better idea about. Um, and, and that, I mean, that runs from like one end of the spectrum to the next. And we're talking about kind of like fitness today, but um, that that wasn't a, uh, um, that's never been an issue. I've just been kind of intrinsically motiv- motivated to, to, to be to be healthy um, in whatever, whatever I was pursuing. Always dug deep into uh, to being better, training wise and the like. So for me personally, like none of that seemed to be an issue. I, I think um, the the advice I would give myself would be to take better care of myself uh, psychologically, probably like emotionally. I've chatted with you at length about mm-hmm. this. Um, I've rocked through some pretty nastiness for like the last seven or eight months. Uh, Eric's been there for me. A lot of the all my. All the firemen that I'm surrounded with, I got, you know, a dozen or more guys that are just really, really good, good humans and happen to be really extraordinary firefighters, um, have all kind of lent, lent a shoulder when needed. But, uh, yeah, 21 years on the job, man, the, the, the cup gets a little full. And if you don't pay attention to it, like that's an issue and, uh, it's, it's there. We all know it's there. Right. So like if I would address that a little bit better, taking a little bit better care of myself that way, that would have it would have been a lot less heartache for my wife and for like my kids. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway is like just to be open to, uh, yeah, paying attention to the, to the stuff, to the feelings. Right. And, uh, really good at compartmentalizing. And, uh, sometimes you got to just actually have to address that shit. So if I would address that stuff earlier, uh, that would have been a good, that'd have been a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I would have listened. I was 21, man. I knew all kinds <laughs> of shit. You know, and it wasn't available at like 98. Like that wasn't a thing that just really wasn't. So, um, I don't know. So that, that'd be where it's at. It's sure. care of myself that way. It makes a lot of sense to me. So, um, but even now, so I've been doing this since 2007 as a volunteer and then, um, for, I don't know, six or seven years full time. 
So what would your advice be for like like how? So so you yeah. explain what or yeah. um but I mean what's it look like for for a guy with, you know, ten years on who who maybe isn't having totally. acute PTSD, but like what's what's a little bit of preventative self care look like, do you think, for guys like like Eric and me who are just a little earlier in our careers? So let's define self care. Yeah. Because I was under the impression there's only one definition for self-care. And okay. I asked my therapist about this. Yeah. It's not masturbate. Like there's more than just <laughs> masturbation. So oh. like I was actually, this is actually a question. Like, cause she told me, she's like, Hey, it's a rough session today. You know, why don't you go home and practice some self-care? And I was like, okay. so does that make it too rough? Yeah, session? I was like, yeah. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and she's like, she could tell. Cause I don't, I don't like, I don't mask my emotions well. And so she's like, what, what you got there? And I was like, are you telling me to like go home and like, you know, and she's like, yeah, no, that's one form. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I didn't, and she's like, you could read a book. And I was like, about, okay. You know, take a bath. And I was like, no, that's weird. I wouldn't take a bath. That's strange. Um, so I guess just checking in with yourself, mm-hmm. man. And, and I would do that by having somebody that you value as a mentor that's willing to have some like good talks with you. So like, because like counseling is not for everybody. Like the statistics are there. Like that is going to be extremely detrimental if you make somebody go who doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's some people that don't need that on a regular basis or ever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like just checking in with somebody that, that values you and is willing to tell you like hard shit, you know, like just actually be open enough to talk with them. Like that's, I guess, the advice I would give. Like check in with somebody who has your best interest in mind, who's not your wife, right? Um, who's somebody you're willing to listen to. And, uh, and then kind of, yeah, you know, heed their advice. If you were so inclined, yeah, check in with a counselor, man. They do cool stuff. So, but if that's not your thing, figure out what your thing is and do that. That's, that's cool. That's the right answer. So, uh, thanks for sharing that. And, uh, the reason I kind of pushed on that is, is I've had conversations, um, with folks and, and we do a good job of, of talking broadly sure. about topics. And when we talk broadly about the importance of taking care of PTSI, PT, PTSD, mm-hmm. um, and talk broadly about, Hey, make sure you take care of yourself. But, um, we're not always very good about, about honing down to like what exactly that looks like. What yeah, exactly I do totally. if I feel like Eric's having trouble or what exactly I do to keep myself out of trouble. So thanks for you know giving any advice you have there. You bet, man. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. So that was heavy. Let's go light to end the, end the thing. Cool. Um, I think this is fun. I hope everyone else thinks it's fun. Uh, initially did this on a, on a road trip back from a training with, with some guys and we were delirious and we ended up just uh, – making our like our ideal engine company that we would want to work with and, and it, so I call it the, the fantasy firefighter draft so I want to hear what you guys take turns I want to hear officer driver backseat who you who you'd select and then Frank you're an officer so you get to decide where you ride what your job <sighs> is okay. Eric you did not get to promote yourself you, you, <laughs> Lucky enough to stay in the backseat. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, man. I'm doing everything I can to stay there, by the way. Don't blame you. Eric Eric gets to go first or am I going first? Oh, let's go. Senior man, you go first. Okay. Um, Man, so I don't want to risk like being a dick. I've never gotten to work with with Haskins. Like that would be extraordinary. I'd love to work with him. He's my my best friend. I I would love to fight fire with him. That would be really pretty amazing. Um, Man, if you got there in time, you could (laughs) have. Oh, well played. Uh, 
And uh, legitimately, I'm going to take this kind of a little bit off topic. My daughter wants to be a firefighter. And that's, cool. uh, that's all she's ever wanted to be. Uh, so Maggie, she goes by Moose and uh, she wants to be a fireman. So like, if I could have those, those two yahoos with me, that'd be pretty amazing. Um, presently, I, I have a crew that's absolutely extraordinary. I love, I love those guys to death. Um, and I, I had, so I'm like totally ruining the whole like gist of the game here. But um, there was a time as a brand new officer um, that I got to run with uh, Tom Wright and Steve Savoka. And uh, those two guys are really and, and, and Jed Simpson actually is another another guy. Those guys are extremely important to me. And uh, I've done and seen a lot with those guys. And um, I mean, there's I've run into a lot of amazing firemen out there. I rolled with a a Boston guy named Steve Mitchell, who's actually just got promoted to captain and he was absolutely like extraordinary, but, but my, my hometown guys is where I would go. So it'd be That's those cool. guys. And I, man, I've been sitting in the seat for so long. Like I would probably just continue to sit there, I guess. Uh, so they may have a different idea, but I think that's, <laughs> I think that's where I'd be. I, I think I do all right there. You go where they, where they let you. Yeah. What are y'all Haskins? Man. Can can I reposition them out of their mm-hmm. their role that they're yeah in? yeah this is your game dude um so originally I was uh, gonna pick uh, my officer to be this dude here and I, I God I swore that I wasn't gonna like pump the tires of the guys I was sitting around the table with right now uh, but um, I think it would be more fun to put Frank in the driver's seat. <laughs> so I'm going to take him out of the officer seat and put him in the driver's seat. Um, and fun. And then I'll get him some phone books uh, to sit on. And Solid. maybe, I don't know, man, what, what's, uh, what does he tape to his feet in uh, Indiana Jones? Like, like those wooden blocks? Yeah. 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 It promoted me out of driving because I was so piss poor at it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, need to, we'll need to get you uh, some of those to reach the pedals. And then... Uh, Officer wise, I think I'd have to uh, pick a guy in uh, Phil Desolate. Um, I think I'm going to change my mind here. I think I'm going to go with, with Frank in the officer seat. Oh, so you promoted Phil and then demoted him in yeah. a single sentence. Yeah, so, that's which, good. Which, which which pleases me because that's a shot across his back. Yeah. Um, yeah, Frank's got a pretty good reputation. Um, within our department as far as like training and how hard he drives his guys. I, I think that is something that uh, I would like to be a part of as far as, far as a, a driver goes. A guy out of Boise named Phil, Philly D. Uh, the man is a monster. Uh, regardless of what people say about him or how he looks, he's actually pretty smart. And, uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, to have him on a crew with everything that he brings and like the knowledge and everything that he's given me so far. It's like, man, if, if I could spend more time on the job with a guy like that, yeah. that would be, that'd be a big deal. Yeah. Phil was uh, a training captain in my fire academy and um, just will always look up to that guy. Stellar, um, and, stellar and really, really blessed to have uh, come up under him and call him a friend. Yeah. yeah. Outstanding guy. Yeah. So though Frank and Phil, two guys that, I know inherently well outside of uh, the fire service, and so it would be cool to to spend more time with him within the job. And 
I'm going to get away from local guys for a uh, senior man in, in the back seat, and that's going to be uh, my man, Gary Lane. Holy shit, man. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, to spend a little time with him out in Portland and uh, got to sit down with him, take a class, and, and man, we were talking skateboarding. He was relaying all these, all these things like uh, – challenges and training and like everything came back to like oh yeah man that's just like learning to ollie up the curb for the mm-hmm. first time man like when you were going out there learning your kickflip and i was just like yeah like you're totally right and uh and then he watched what he's doing with um like his classes and the stuff that he writes like way back and um man i think he would be a ton of fun to work with I would love to steal every piece of knowledge from him um, as well as the other guys. And so, yeah, that would be my, my dream team of uh, the engine company, man. That's pretty fun. Uh, those would be some good groups. I'd like to work with those guys as well. Cool. Thanks for playing along. All right. We're about wrapped up. Uh, tell us one more time where people can find out more about Brotherhood Training. Brotherhoodtraining.com. Super easy. Super easy. Cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Anything else from me? What else did I – what did I forget? I don't know. Tell us about that time that you're out in Portland and, uh, man, God, we, were, we were teaching a pretty epic class with Brothers in Battle. And there's this guy. Was he, is he loading hose, right? And uh, spotted maybe maybe he heard the sound of your voice or or what was it? But something resonated with him, and he goes, "Wait a second, you're that guy. You're refined by fire. Will you sign my turnouts?" <laughs> <laughs> that was a mostly true story. Um, and I guess I'm, I didn't hit the stop button on Eric there, even though I'm in charge here. Because uh, I guess I, I should just say that like it does really mean a lot that a lot of people listen to the show. Um, I'm just a dude. I'm nobody from nowhere. Uh, and I get to talk to cool people and just ask you about things that I'm interested in. Uh, and it's really, it's really cool that, that people are into it. It's really cool when people say what's up and that they like it. So uh, I appreciate that. It's super weird and uncomfortable. When uh, people quote unquote recognize me, because uh, yeah, man, I'm just like some dork in his mid 30s who's uh, into the job and not particularly good at it. But um, yeah, I get to talk to cool people and and share those voices. So I will land this plane and say thank you for sharing your voices with me today. Thank you, man. This is a really cool opportunity, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to be able to run in a circle with someone like yourself so thank you thank you very much thanks for all you're doing thanks man Thanks for listening to this month's episode of Refined by Fire. Hit us up on our Facebook page and let me know what you like. Let me know what you think we can do better. And let me know who you'd like to hear from in the future. 
Also, please be sure to check out Elkhart Brass. They're supporting us, so please support them. Elkhart Brass is a division of Safefleet. Safefleet owns a bunch of different brands like Elkhart Brass, like FRC, Foam Pro, and ROM. A bunch of companies that can help you out if you're specking an apparatus. They might have some stuff that you're interested in. LED lighting, flow meters, roll-up doors, etc. So if you're in the market specking a new apparatus, I'll make sure you check out what Safely can do. 